India's Debt Market and Corporate Governance Regime, Evolution and Way Forward, in conversation with Guru Murthy Mahalingam, whole time member, SEBI. Discussions about reforming India's debt market have continued for 20 years with very modest progress in enhancing their liquidity, efficiency, and depth. While India's total domestic debt amounts to about 70% of GDP, its corporate bond market is valued at just 16% of GDP. This compares poorly with Malaysia's 46% and South Korea's 73%. For the Indian economy to grow sustainably in the long term, debt markets must scale up rapidly. At a recent India CFO Forum webinar, Gurumurthy Mahalingam, an executive board member of the Securities and Exchange Board of India, SEBI, shared his perspective on the issue. He also commented on SEBI's efforts to strengthen India's corporate governance regime. Skew points in the corporate bond market. India's corporate bond market has roughly 30 trillion rupees in outstanding issuances across all ratings, and annual issuances have risen to over 6 trillion rupees. Very significantly, in the last year or two, corporate bond issuances have outstripped bank credit. This means that businesses are now obtaining more funding via bonds than through the banking system. However, there are several skew points in the debt market that raise concerns. First, close to 95% of all issuances are by AAA-rated companies. In comparison, advanced economies like the United States have active junk bond markets, enabling investors of varied risk appetite to participate. Going forward, sub-AAA Indian corporates must be encouraged to enter the bond markets, even if that means being a bit more, and, in some cases, having to adopt additional compliances. The difference in cost is only a few basis points, still lower than what banks charge for loans, and stronger compliance is in companies' longer-term self-interest. Second, the majority of issuers today are BFSIs, which implies the need to widen representation sectorally. Third, even as the primary bond market has grown in the last two decades, the secondary market has not grown at all. Compared to 30 trillion rupees of total issuances, the secondary market sees an average daily turnover of about 100 billion rupees. In comparison, the government securities market, with an outstanding of 70 trillion rupees, has a daily turnover of about 930 billion rupees. Although not high by global standards, the ratio is considerably better than for the corporate bond market. Poor liquidity deters investors who seek not just returns and safety, but also the ability to freely enter and exit. Fourth, the investor universe for corporate bonds deserves attention. Traditionally, banks have held the bulk, that is about 85% of outstanding government securities, followed by insurance companies. Other investors, including retail investors, are pushed to the margins. On the other hand, the corporate bond market is dominated by mutual funds, insurance companies, pension funds, and then banks and other corporates. Retail participation is again very low. Fifth, with government borrowing swelling, corporate borrowings are getting crowded out. It is imperative for the government to manage the fiscal deficit, which has risen significantly on account of the pandemic. The centre can turn this issue around by reducing its dependence on the local bond market, such as through a sovereign borrowing programme. Ingredients of a vibrant corporate bond market. The total number of outstanding government securities is currently in the region of 95 to 100, and each of these is widely traded. In comparison, there are over 20,000 outstanding corporate bond scripts, most of which are hardly traded at all. One of the limitations of the market today is that companies often borrow via multiple issuances, reducing the critical mass of each issuance, thereby reducing liquidity. This drives investors to hold them to maturity and dramatically cuts trading volumes. To enhance liquidity, corporates might consider reducing the frequency of borrowings, so driving up the critical mass and encouraging people to trade. 
as possible for corporates to raise the same quantum of funds while ensuring that the secondary markets are not flooded with multiple scripts. Insurance and pension sector regulators can also help deepen the corporate bond market through policy measures. So far, they have prevented players under their jurisdiction from investing in bonds lower down the credit curve. Mutual funds are entitled to go all the way down to investment-grade bonds, but insurers and pension funds cannot invest in bonds rated below AAA. Meanwhile, banks, which are not restricted by the RBI from making such investments, tend to be quite risk-averse. Looking ahead, a good model for the corporate bond market to adopt would be the government securities market, which is run by the Clearing Corporation of India. It operates a negotiated dealing system, or NDS, a liquid platform that matches bids and offers in an automated trade-matching system with a straight-through settlement process. Another drawback of the corporate bond market today is the presence of heterogeneous issuers. This is different from the government securities market, where the issuer is either the government of India or state governments. Thus, an ecosystem needs to be established where they are both takers and market makers for corporate bonds. The government securities market only came to life after primary dealers were introduced in 1996. Thereafter, it took 10 to 15 years for the market to become vibrant and attain its current scale. Corporates have, of late, struggled with fundraising, and it is one of SEBI's priorities to build supportive measures to enable fast-track rights and preferential issues. Recently, the process of rights issuances has been streamlined, and the cooling-off period between two qualified institutional placements, or QIPs, has been reduced from six months to two weeks, while the minimum contribution and subsequent lock-in for promoters has been done away with. Issues around corporate governance. SEBI has been working on the so-called Innovators Growth Platform, which is oriented towards startups, where the stakeholder promoter's contribution to the company in the form of intellectual property is significant. This is a work in progress, and SEBI continues to receive comments on its consultation paper on the subject. SEBI has also drafted a paper on promoter reclassification. The aim is to simplify the process of reclassifying existing promoters who want to become a part of the company's public shareholding. Another area of policy action is related party transactions. SEBI has been working to more sharply define such transactions and how they can be brought to light in a manner that does not create losses for public shareholders. Although such transactions are not entirely banned, beyond the threshold, they do require shareholder approval. There is some debate as to whether independent directors or IDs should be held responsible when boards commit a misadventure. Admittedly, IDs are not part of the firm's day-to-day management, but are often brought on for their specialist skills or knowledge. However, SEBI's view is that board members must possess at least some understanding of balance sheets, P&L, and cash flow statements, and a common-sense perspective on how funds should be utilized. They must lend expertise to the company and protect the interests of minority investors. Late, however, SEBI has dealt with many cases where IDs needed to be changed, either because they were willingly a party to fund diversion activities, or they were a mute witness to such actions. This is a vexed subject that has captured SEBI's attention for some time with no satisfactory resolution in sight. For now, SEBI recommends that IDs identify any lapses and bring it to the notice of management.